literally as soon as I hit record, a dog started barking. <laughs> yeah. everybody and welcome to the third episode of Chicography. My name is Dan. I am joined by Matthias and Josh. Hello. Hi. <laughs> yeah. How do you want to do the like intros? I, I <laughs> No, I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Leave all of this in. All right. Sweet. Less editing for me. Oh, uh, let's see. We're going to be talking about the our third show. Not Chikara's third show, but our third show, 2003 Anniversario event from St. John's Auditorium in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Kicked out of the Wrestle Factory. But still in Allentown. Still, still in Allentown, yes. The the commission didn't run them all the way out of town, just out of That's the right. zoning area. We had a run-in from St. John's saving Chikara. Yes. Thank you, St. John. So one of the first things I want to say is we have Bryce Remsburg as referee for the first yeah. time here. Yeah. Ring yeah. announcer up until this point. Ring announcer no more. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. I think this is an interesting show. It's an interesting show to come back to because, as you mentioned, like this isn't even the first show of 2003. There are a fair few ahead of this. So a lot of the stuff uh, from the show is paying off stuff that we – uh, haven't seen yeah it's like a grudge match and i had no idea that they had faced before <laughs> oh yeah but they did um i know the match you're talking about and they literally have singles matches on like the four shows uh prior to it like I, it sort of feels like a lot in a lot of ways a lot of the big storyline feuds in chikara up to this point are basically like these two guys having matt like these two guys having matches, you know, we have a blind rage DJ Skittles match where they have like three or four singles matches before that private eye versus uh phantasmo same deal. So it's kind of interesting to be dropped in the middle of this. Uh, you know, this is also our first look at uh, pretty much all of the second class, some of the third class, um, all of whom had debuted in the interim between uh, the second Eleven of the Factory Volume Two and uh, this show, which is on Chikaratopia, but is not on IWTV. Uh, so, luckily for me, I have basically spent about a used car's worth of money on old Chikara DVDs. So, I'm watching. I'm, I'm watching uh, these 2003 shows uh, on DVD, which might lead to minor miscues i don't know how different the uh, version on topia is versus the version i watched i bet it's very similar there's very little production around the presentation of this show is um, there uh is, is there weird audio on the overhead cameras for you or yes, was that different? Yes, okay okay yes. oh god it was awful <laughs> i if there's a reason why this show isn't on iwtv maybe that's it it's luckily they don't they don't they try to avoid going to that um quite often like 
they, I think like they know, probably knew there was a problem. And so, but yeah, uh, every time that there's like a long sustained shot from overhead, like down, like looking down at the ring, it, it gets choppy. Well, there was only really one point in the night that it was really distracting for me. I'll say that much. Okay. Um, uh, and by the way, since we're talking about new stuff or catching up, as you pointed out, Bryce is now our referee, meaning we need a new ring announcer. Uh, hey. And so now we have Carolina Jim. Yes. Yeah. This is sort of, you know, like like the Bryce stuff is sort of a neat footnote that he announced the like very first couple shows. But in terms of like the lineage of Chikara ring announcers who are like definitively the Chikara ring announcers, Carolina Jim is the guy for the first few years. And I'm a fan. I mean, yeah. there's nothing like hugely unique about him, but he's just got a really good voice. And I yeah. know that later on we're going to hear uh, in other shows, certain wrestlers just kind of really <laughs> love talking about Carolina Jim. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely like Carolina Jim is definitely before, you know, from Gavin loudspeaker on ring announcers tend to have like personas in Chikara. Like Carolina Jim is just Carolina Jim. He's just a good ring announcer. Just a nice solid hand. Yeah. From yeah Carolina. Other thing we should uh, note in given um, announcing is there's no commentary on this show at all. Yes, uh, that's true. Unless you count the uh, commentary from the fans who were like sitting right next to the camera up on the balcony <laughs> yeah. you could hear pretty clearly whenever it would go to the one upstairs. Uh, Cause that yeah. is one thing we want to talk about as well. I guess it, the building itself, it's basically, it's a little auditorium. There's a little stage. Uh, There's like there. a dozen Chikara venues that like, look very much like this one. Yeah. I have to say there was a moment, there was a moment where I forgot where it was and I was like, weren't we just was this is this reading weren't we just here like six months ago <laughs> Pretty uh, no it's got that stage and i don't know if the yeah. other ones like this tend to have it but it's got a balcony which is the important part here yes and that's yeah. where the uh, hard cam is mounted like a three-quarter perspective from there yeah, yeah. Um, again and, over the turnbuckle which i really don't like but right <laughs> and to follow uh, up you on have that the balcony, just put it in the center sorry go ahead yeah. that's okay to put up on uh, follow up on that fan comment, um, the atmosphere in the crowd is very different already. This crowd um, rules. Yeah. I yes, love this do. crowd. This this is like the this is definitely like the hottest crowd we've had up to this point. Like they they really they they really like a lot of people really came together for this one, and it's they are into all of the matches, and like they stay into it even through like a 40 minute main event, which we'll get to, like they never really waver that much and it's wonderful. Yeah. And, the, and the atmosphere kind of finally feels like what I think of as Chikara. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, anything else you want to get out of the way before we go to our first match of the night? No, I no. think we're ready for it. All right. Well, this is going to be our first, not Chikara's first again, but <laughs> our first double jeopardy battle Royal. Yes. Trope that Chikara goes to quite often in these early years. Uh, we should explain what the heck that means. Yeah, please do. Uh, basically, in, at least in this case, you have 10 wrestlers in a battle royal at the beginning of the show. Two wrestlers start, the others come in at intervals, and the last two left have another match one-on-one -on -one later in the show. Yeah. So, And honestly, is this 
I'm not sure. Like, I'm not convinced this might not be like the the only one of these we're covering in terms of shows that made it to the DVDs. Unless there's a 2004 show I'm missing. Like, this felt like a really omnipresent thing at the start of Chikara shows up to this point. And in a lot of ways, this show still feels. In a lot of ways, this show sort of feels like pretty much like a best of of the first year. Like, there's so many faces yeah. from Chikara's uh, first year. Yeah, that. I'm really pleased to see certain people show up again. I thought we're gone. Yeah, no, it's 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 cool. It's cool uh, seeing that. And basically, like the only real core difference is that now there's way more people to pull from, and there's yeah. way more people to fill out cards. Mm -hmm. But this is pretty much a way to get like everybody who's left over on the card, as well as get two matches out of one, basically. Yes. So can we go with our first entrance? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ninja Mexicano. The okay. legendary Ninja Mexicano uh, who has no presence on cage match at all. Yeah. Correct. No, uh, Ninja Mexicano is, uh, he, he has very big, uh, I can't remember. I think it was Kato was the member of the Orient Express and the WWF who was just a white, it was just Paul Diamond under a mask. Like we, <laughs> He's it, he it very much has that kind of energy. Uh, mm -hmm. Comes out. It's one of two people on the show who has that energy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Um, so one little thing that I just think is a neat footnote for me personally, and maybe no one else. It's he comes out to the severe tire damage theme, which is a they might be giant song. Which of first of all, yeah, of course, uh, and. <laughs> So this song I actually always associate with this period of Chikara because there was uh, on the DVD on the DVD it's a special feature but like they had initially made like a uh, video intro set to that theme uh, of just like highlights from the show that got out on YouTube and was basically my only exposure to like this period of Chikara for years. Hmm, nice. um, but I do I do think it's funny that like they went with this song that song for uh, the hype video or the video intro and it's also just the entrance music for the most nondescript guy on the show well he had, he had a very sparkly mask yeah. and uh you know yeah this is i'm dead certain our only glimpse at ninja mexicano uh but the, sure. next, the next guy coming out we're gonna see a whole lot of yes we are <laughs> for the next few shows yeah and that is that's that's the one and only Lester Crabtree of the Senior Assault Team uh, coming out to one of my all-time favorite Chikara themes. It, it's a version of uh, I'm Getting Sent Sentimental Over You by the Glenn Miller Orchestra, I believe. That is just about the least threatening song in existence. <laughs> Imagine it's, like people in World War II slow dancing to this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's that's, and that's just straight up what it is. Uh, I do have to say while we're on the subject of the senior assault team, if you go back, if you, you search out on the, uh, Chikara website on archive.org, if you get to the right version of the roster page, you'll get a link to the senior assault teams, AOL page, like in character <laughs> AOL page. Uh -huh. It's absolutely amazing. It will be linked to you on our Twitter account. Uh, Lester Crabtree has a blog where he yes. just writes about the old days. Oh my God. All, all I will say about that is watch out for the commie bomb. And uh, 
If you don't know, you'll know uh, when you go to our supplemental materials for this podcast. <laughs> oh. So he gets into the ring. Uh, and hurts his back getting into the ring. Yeah. Uh, after up. he puts his walker aside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he just yells out, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> As though someone just grabbed him and said, old man, go into this match. What now? Just just very amazing. I, I'm always happy when someone's like in a match and they don't really know the objective of it. <laughs> Like Orange Cassidy in a ladder match. Right? I literally, I think I literally only just like from watching this Battle Royale a second time realized like, yeah, there's definitely shared DNA between Orange Cassidy and Lester Crabtree. Oh, like, definitely. Not in Chikara Cannon. The shared DNA mm-hmm. in Chikara Cannon is someone else entirely. But uh, in terms of like approach to wrestling and wrestling style, it's, it's, there, there are some moments in this match where it's just like eerily uncanny. Oh, yes, very much so. Uh, yeah, speaking of dancing earlier, we get some ballroom dancing to start off the match after yep. a couple arm ringers. We do. That's how that's that's how you do it. You know, old school, proper grappling. Uh, yeah, that's Lancashire style right there. Ninja Mexicano has no idea what's happening at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think all of it. I'm trying. I think any offense Ninja Mexicano gets is just like karate chops. Mm-hmm. Is that right? It's, yeah, it's which is pretty basic. Yeah, and by the way, he was wearing, I, I guess, like a gi. Yeah. I I <laughs> thought it was a bathrobe at first. Uh, the ubiquitous Chikara bathrobe? Yes. <laughs> uh, but then Lovebug comes out. What's his nickname, Matthias? He is the chubby chick magnet. That's right. The chubby chick yeah. magnet Lovebug comes out. Uh, he's the next participant in the match here. And he and Ninja Mexicano just kind of like, oh, should we team up or something? And then Lovebug just tosses Ninja over yeah. and he's gone. Lovebug's reaction to seeing Lester Crabtree for apparently the first time is very good. <laughs> he's he's just I think I think to the referee, I think I think to Bryce, he's like, Hey, what's up with grandpa? Yes. Uh but yeah, no, it's it's Ninja Mexicano is sent back to Park unknown? Akron, Ohio, probably. Or like yeah. <laughs> Sammamish, Sammamish, Washington. We also get to see, uh, by the way, we get to see Lester Crabtree run the ropes. <laughs> yeah. Which is a pretty great bit yep. in, of itself. Uh, but yeah, then, you know, pretty shortly on we get we got our next entrant. And uh, <laughs> Josh, I, ima- I imagine you, Josh, you were very excited to see the next entrance in, in this battle royale. Very excited and then shortly disappointed. <laughs> Oh really? Oh. <laughs> it wasn't the same. That's all. Uh, well, yeah. So up next is and I. The first time I missed his like new Jakara nickname at this point in time, but uh, it's the impeccable Matt Weasel Brock Singleton. <laughs> That's what it was. I did not okay. That. <laughs> uh, the weasel part. That's all I had. Yeah, the first time I missed it, but I rewatched. Yeah, because most of this, most of these matches I watched about a week ago, so I wanted to sort of freshen myself at least of the battle royale. And yeah, it's it's the impeccable Matt Weasel Brock Singleton. And yeah, a year ago, a year ago, he felt like a lot more of like a jock, like mm-hmm. like you know, yeah, like 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 a more straightforward wrestler. It feels like he got injected with like Mitch Ryder DNA or like 
superstar Shane Hawk DNA oh, sure. because yeah. he's very, he is definitely a lot more weaselly now uh, yeah. than he was the first time. He was pretty weaselly to begin with. He was a, but he was yeah, funnier he, about it. Well, he was more yeah. of a, he was more of like a, he was more of like a, I felt like more like a meathead type of yeah. weaselly. Now he's a lot like sneakier and a lot more like over the top. Uh, he does try to, <laughs> so first of all, okay. Uh, Love Bug gets dumped out somewhere around this time. Yeah, Brock, Brock pretty much immediately dumps him out, and he lands hard on his <laughs> like neck and shoulder on the oh. apron of that ring. It did oh. not look pretty. Uh, Which is the pony ring that they're still using. Yes. Despite the fact that they have plenty of space above the ring now. Yeah. <laughs> Whole extra story, but yeah. But yeah, yeah. and then so he, he Brock Singleton does sort of go back to his uh, jockeyer roots by like he he wants to do some amateur wrestling with uh, Lester Crabtree. Right. Yeah. And uh, then, so then my notes, I see it says, oh, hey, it's Dragonfly. Right. I was surprised <laughs> to see so many of these people show up one year later. I yeah. did not think that would be ever again in Chikara. But so far, everyone, short of Lester <laughs> and Ninja, is a return. Yeah, um, this would be Dragonfly's first appearance for Chikara uh, of 2003. It's his last appearance for Chikara of 2003. Like, he hadn't been on a show since October of 2002 per cage match. And this sort of starts a rather lengthy history of, like, Dragonfly, like, popping up for a show and then vanishing again for the rest of the year and then popping up for a show. I think, I think there's a long gap between this one and his next appearance. I think his next appearance is like 2008, something like that. Wow. But like, this is kind of, this is kind of standard operating procedure for Dragonfly who actually does get shot. Like the, I can't quite remember the exact phrasing of his nickname in the intro, but the word disappearing is absolutely in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that fits <laughs> um yeah so he comes in he hits some he hits some offense i guess <laughs> he, he does he does much. yeah he's he he's been just there uh and <laughs> yeah i had very I'm, little notes for him <laughs> yeah i have this, his entrance then i have the next entrance <laughs> yeah, yeah because the next entrance is incredible <laughs> yeah, oh yeah it is, it is. It is, it's wrestling's rampaging juggernaut, martial law. <laughs> and he's very different than we last saw him. Yeah, yeah. He looks like an opera cop, basically. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He, he has like a, he, he looks like, he looks like he's in like the Spaceballs version, like Whatever, whatever the like parody of Spaceballs would be, like one removed from Spaceballs itself. He's he's got like a big cape, and he's got like a a plastic like see through like face guard helmet, a like shield thing. Yeah, and he is he is a Rudo now. It appears. Uh, I actually did look at the uh, card for the season finale of two thousand two, and I did notice that. Martial Law and Lovebug have a match against each other, so I think, uh -oh. Booty, yeah, I think Beauty and the Beast was no more by this point. No, yeah, Beauty and the Beast explodes. Uh, but yeah, so he he's now kind of like a monster, a, a monster heel, and he should be. Yeah, he should be. Uh, 
just immediately throws Crabtree out. Yeah. Uh, what a bad guy. Right? Oh, man. Yeah, it's... he. he yeah, so Lester Crabtree gets thrown out, and naturally, who else could come in at this point? Yeah. <laughs> but Melvin Snodgrass, <laughs> who... Lester Crabtree is like... The Crabtree mask is like a pretty good, like, goofy mask, right? It has absolutely nothing on Melvin Snodgrass. Melvin Snodgrass's like bulbous red nose. Yep, and it's like beet red. It's, it's like he's like he's got, his, his whole mask is like beet red. He uh, <laughs> looks like a ashamed clown, is what I think of when I see Melvin Snodgrass. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> so yeah, Melvin comes out. Lester is like lurching out. Lester's like using the walker. Yes, and <laughs> he stops. And when he gets to Melvin, he says. <laughs> Watch yourself. They're all jerks. <laughs> and then oh, what a he delight. gives Melvin Snodgrass the walker. <laughs> so he can use the walker to get to the ring. Unless the Crabtree goes to the back. I love the senior assault team so much. I'm so glad that these shows are on Chikaratopia. So we have a reason to cover them. Uh, because there is at least one more senior assault team match from this year that's on one of the shows we'll cover that I cannot wait. I, cannot I think wait. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, Up I, next. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No. Yeah. I think. I think. I don't think there's anything major that actually happened no. in the entrances for a while yeah a lot of this match is kind of just people pairing off in corners and punching each other yeah it's, it's a battle standard it, battle royale yeah yeah uh it's i think i think there, there's like like some neat novelty i honestly kind of was hoping that the structure of the match would just be someone new coming in dumping the person who was in the ring with lester crabtree yeah and then that just sort of <laughs> repeating for longer than it did uh, yeah, because I, I thought of that as well when it was happening. And it happened yeah. for like the first two. Yes. Come on. Yeah, keep this going. And then, no, he's just dumped out by the riot cop. Yeah. being a shorter battle royal than most I've seen. It's pretty short, yeah. And then, well, I mean, they, but then again, they kind of have to save as much time as possible for the main event on this yep. one. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, he's not a kid anymore. It's Mike Cruel. Mike Cruel, yeah. I thought yeah. I didn't make that connection. Yes, of course. Wow. Right. Where was oh, I? did you did, did you forget that we watched one of his matches on this? No, I knew we had seen him, but I forgot that he yeah. was kid cruel or right. cruel. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, he's he is now the master of the Juji Gatame, uh, Mike Cruel. And I, I I have nothing to say about like oh, at some point, at some point I think uh Martial law maybe grabs Melvin Snodgrass by the nose on his mask. That was funny, but I can't quite like now my mind sort of blanks out in between this entrance and the next one because the next one is a lot of like entrance, wrestle, 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 elimination, yeah. entrance, wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. This next one breaks that up a bit though. Yes, I'm, yes, I'm, it does. I'm, I'm very happy about this next entrance. Well, although I should say at this point, I, Brock eliminates Dragonfly and then the entrance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right before the entrance that I know you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Dragonfly goes for like a top rope crossbody. Brock just catches him and just throws him over the top rope. <laughs> like, yeah, don't don't exert yourself, Dragonfly. It's been seven yeah. months. Like, d don't worry <laughs> about it, buddy. Brock Singleton's got you covered. Go collect check. 
see you in five years. <laughs> but um, yeah, the next entrance is one that I have been so excited for. Yeah, it's the uh, debut of, uh, and, and straight up, it is straight up the Chikara debut of Jolly Roger. Yes. And someone in the crowd is not happy to see him. <laughs> someone <laughs> boos very loudly at, at Jolly Roger showing up. They do, and I I love it. And I yeah, I, I went to watch through a long time ago um, that YouTube both knew about, and I didn't get all the way through. But this was definitely in there. And at this point, did not understand Jolly Roger. But having seen what he ends up doing later, I stand Jolly Roger. Jolly Roger is definitely one of the great like characters of this period of Shakara, who's. Not actually anymore. I used to think of him, think of him as specifically being like only associated with that period. He still kind of is, but like the wrestling is fun stuff that happens later. He actually weirdly becomes like adjacently very important to certain things that happen over the course of the shutdown and immediately after. Uh, but like here, here he's just like this great like this is the like it feels weird to say oh yeah this is the cartoon character period of Chikara because. Chikara has always been bright and vibrant, but there's like bright and vibrant. And then there's like Jolly Roger and like the roster cartoons around this time period, which we don't see for the battle Royale, but like you do see for the match intros. Uh, They, they all look like cabbage patch kids. Basically. (laughs) Yeah. With like just very bright colors. And like, I always think of like Jolly Roger, like, especially as being part of this time period. Uh, and it's it's neat seeing him come out and, you know, do a lot of the, like, thinking about it now, I guess in terms of, like, a guy who comes out and does dancing offense, I guess he was kind of the first. That's another Chikara staple right there. That's true. Was he yet called the Party Pirate? I don't think he was called the Party Pirate in this intro. I couldn't hear exactly what Carolina Jim said about him. But, like, it didn't appear that he was the original party pirate here. Okay, gotcha. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's... Yeah, as much as I love him, he doesn't end up doing a lot here. But good to see he's here. Yeah, he does do a test of strength with... I didn't I, I didn't write down specifically who. I said a test of strength with two beefy men. Oh, I've, I've got that. Oh, the wrong. beefy boys. Yeah. Which... Law and Brock Singleton. Yep. Yeah, and then he starts having fun with it, and they get rid of him. But that is jumping ahead in time, because the final entrant for this match is Reckless Youth. That's right. Uh, and left, uh, Melvin Snodgrass was eliminated in there, too. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think like at the same time, Jolly Roger comes out, basically. Right. Another Brock elimination, I think, there. Yeah. yeah. Brock Singleton has a really fun time in this match. He's he's having no one's having more fun being in this match than Brock Singleton is, other than maybe Jolly Roger. Like Brock is just like dancing around a lot or like posing. He's mouthing off to the crowd as per usual with him. He he's having the time of his life, like being like the supporting character, like villain of this battle royale. Right. But he, uh, but, uh, Snod- yeah. he eliminates Snodgrass, and then, as you said, Reckless Youth comes out. <laughs> and a next note that I yeah. have is that Jolly Roger does the spot you're talking about. It's kind of a, yes. a break dance thing where he grabs both their arms and then, like, send the energy over um, via the <laughs> test of strength. Yeah. Yeah, he had, like, one arm from each of them in a test of strength. <laughs> yeah. And then tried to do the little wave, but... Uh, I kind of just looked like he was convulsing. Um, 
it wasn't a good idea to start with. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it didn't why would well. you do that? Uh, but yeah, you know, eventually we get down, we get down to what it's, it's cruel, reckless youth. And I think Brock Singleton is the third, well, the third you, guy yeah, in the final three. Eliminates both Marshall and Brock right after that. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's basically the finish because then you're yeah. left with uh, Mike Cruel and Reckless Youth. Yeah. So, you know, shockingly, like the two best wrestlers in the match are the ones who are going to come back later in the show and have a wrestling match. What? <laughs> and then Cruel does attack Reckless Youth after the yeah. match. Yeah. They do like a fake, like, respect on. bit. And then Cruel attacks him and Youth runs him off. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, so we'll we'll see we'll see that match later in the show. Which leads us into a fantastic match, so to speak. Oh god. The special grudge match. The special grudge match. Special Between. grudge match. I love that they announced it that way. Uh, Private Eye and Phantasmo. Phantasmo. Oh my god. I, I the South American Rudo Phantasmo. <laughs> The South American, the South American warrior. Is it fair to say that Phantasmo is Rudo Max Moon? Yeah, no, that's that's what I. So I, I've actually been watching some episodes of WWF Superstar. So I got to Max Moon's debut, uh, where he was the Comet Kid, spelled with two Ks. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, like I saw the color scheme. I was like, wait, I've just seen this aggressively 1992 color scheme somewhere else. And they realize, Oh yeah, no, it's just Phantasmo. It's like all these is... neon tendrils. And yeah. And Phantasmo comes out and he, <laughs> he, he sure speaks Spanish. He <laughs> sure <laughs> does. Sure. He wants to know where like the bathroom is. is. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah. He, he yells, you know, poor K a lot. He's, you know, Silencio. Silencio. Yeah, and then he hops up on the ring entrance and yells, poor K, donde esta el baño? Hey! <laughs> Should have uh, taken care of that before the match. Before oh, no, sorry. Sorry, I got it wrong. Not el baño, el baño is what he says. <laughs> I... Uh, super authentic Mexican wrestler or South American wrestler. South American wrestler. Yeah, and, yeah, you South know, American. I don't know who this is. So <laughs> he has a cage match that stretch out, stretches out past Chikara. So hard to say, <laughs> uh, but I definitely was not filled with uh, confidence in no. uh, the authenticity of Phantasmo. Uh, <laughs> Probably best. He's not around. It's anyway, his, his opponent is another character, a, a character I associate explicitly, like only with this period of Chikara is uh, private eye. <laughs> Yeah. The undercover agent of justice, Private Eye. Complete I think, the Hall & Oates entrance theme. Yep. Yep. The crowd, this is how, this is where I think I fully realized, oh yeah, this crowd's going to be great, is that they clap along with the clapping part of Private Eye. Yes. Yeah. And they do it, they do it before the match, and they will do it later, <laughs> later on when the song plays again. It's a little spoiler, I guess, for how the match goes. But yeah, they, they are... They've seen Private Eye enough, or they just love the song enough that they're like, "Yeah, no, this is what we do." When Private Eye comes out, uh, and I should point out, I, I correct me if I'm wrong. Private Eye looks different than I remember him here. Um, I don't know if his head is different, but he's wearing a black overcoat, which I think of the trench, and maybe I just made that up. Um, uh, 
yeah, I it's been it's been long enough that I've since I've watched Private Eye matches that I can't quite remember what his entrance gear typically looks like. Uh this is definitely like in terms of the most Chikara look, like the most like, oh yeah, no, this is anything can be a wrestler. Yeah. Chikara. <laughs> uh the I think I remember like as a kid, like seeing the Chikara roster page for the first time. And like the moment I saw Private Eyes like photo and like roster like doodle i was just like what is what am i looking at (laughs) how is this a rest how is this a wrestler uh it is an anthropomorphic eyeball that is a private detective yeah yeah it's i can't remember i can't remember if Private Eye is definitely around long enough that we get to the point where Jakara starts having backstage interviews. I can't remember if he ever has like a backstage promo. I'm I hope he has one because I really want to see it. It's in a lot of ways, this is like such a high con- concept. High concept feels like a weird word for this. It's just he's private eye, his head, his mask is a giant eye. But he's more like funny than he is high concept. Yeah. But like that. <laughs> That mask, uh, oh, but he's got a—that's not a mask. That is definitely his head, which is my ball. Okay, yeah, just a big well, old eye. Yep. Well, he's definitely got to adjust his head a lot over he the course does. of this match to make sure that his head doesn't fall off. <laughs> he is constantly holding his uh, eyeball on. You know, private eye crawled so Dragon Dragon could walk. <laughs> yes. Um. So there's a this there's a match happens here, right? Well, grudge match even. Private Eye for uh, foreign objects, and that's when Phantasmo attacks. Yeah, yeah. Phantasmo is a sort of dastardly Rudo type. Uh, I, I my mind goes straight to the finish on this match. So if Josh, yeah, if you have no brawl, 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 then that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's four minutes long. It's a four minute long grudge match. That that's how you know it's serious, and they really hate each other. Is that? You know, yeah. they, they, they leave it all in the ring uh, until they go outside the ring, yep. <laughs> which is where the turning point of the match happens. And the camera doesn't actually catch it all that well. Yeah. Was there some sort of powder thrown? Right. Yes. So this is what I, I, I had. I replayed it like five or six times to try and get a full sense of it. I'm guessing Fantasio. So, sorry. Fantasio is a different <laughs> It's a wrestling magician from yes. 90s WWF. But, like, let's be real. If someone told you, like, sight unseen, like, that Fantasio had wrestled a match in Chikara, you would oh, believe it. it. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's weirder that he hasn't, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, but, it yeah. So, knuckleball shorts. <laughs> yeah. Ray de Valadori's 2021. Book it. Uh, but, yeah, so... He, Phantasmo, like, I'm guessing, grabbed some powder from somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised if this powder has come up before in one of the, like, five matches they have before this. Uh, because it feels like a payoff to a storyline. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, yeah, yeah. I bet this happened. Yeah, so it's I like... Think they had uh, three matches before this. Right. Private Eye won the first two. Phantasmo won the last one. I kind of assume he did that via powder. Yeah. So it's like he gets the powder, but like Private Eye is ready for it and like intercepts the bag of powder and I guess throws it in Phantasmo's face. Yes. Turns it right back around. Um, And then Private Eye wins with like a, a DDT. 
Yep. Uh, which means we get to hear the private, we get to hear hollow notes again and the crowd clap, clap. like, yeah, even after like, I think private eye has left, like he's gone. Like he's, he's gone. All right. Yeah. I have won. And he what, goes to the back and the song is just playing. So like, what are you going to do? It's the chorus of private eyes. Right. You have to clap along to it. Well, I don't know if it's during that moment or not, but something I took a note of is after he loses the match, Phantasmo shoves Bryce and Bryce shoves him right back. Yeah. Which totally sends him out of the ring from one side to the other. Oh, man. This is not the last we're going to see of Phantasmo uh, over the course of this podcast. And I'm looking forward to another <laughs> glimpse of Phantasmo. Uh, Speaking of then, people we're looking forward to seeing many times. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, man. It's. The best nickname in Chikara. Well, we have a should put out. We have a winner picks the losers entrance music match. Yes, this is another payoff to like a feud that was like a series of matches over the prior shows. Like the like, I'm guessing this is this match is basically the plot of Trolls World Tour. I think. <laughs> okay. I, I haven't. Please I haven't, uh, no. Yeah. Um, no, go. Please go on. Go on. Well, so all I know about Trolls World, World World Tour, I am not being paid by uh, Universal Pictures <laughs> for this inaccurate summary, is that it's basically about, like, music genres clashing. Like, it's, like, goth, like, rock and roll, a rock and roll troll wanting to turn all of the trolls who like other types of music into their rock zombies. Ah. Uh, so uh, shout out to the episode of Top Chef I watched where I, I gleaned that amount of information <laughs> about Trolls World Tour. Uh, I think Chikara but, has uh, grounds for a lawsuit here. I think Chikara, like AMC, <laughs> will no longer. Uh, I, I don't even know where I'm going with this. It was just going to be a joke about AMC banning Universal because of Trolls right. World Tour. Uh, well, but, uh, I... I literally know someone in the DreamWorks legal department uh, who was credited in that movie, and I was supposed to watch it because of that, because <laughs> it was their first credit. But oh, I have God. not done so yet, and I'm going to consider watching this eight-minute match, mm, The Substitute. Yeah. It's fair. I think you just oh. out of yourself, but all right. Some friend you are. Okay. Um, <laughs> one, one note I put at They're the not going to listen to this. <laughs> Uh, one note I put up at the top of uh, my notes for this match is they should bring the stipulation back and the loser should have to come out to the old Travis Huckabee music. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, and I don't think Travis Huckabee should actually have to be one of the people in the match. That should just be the punishment regardless. Uh, but yeah, no, anyway, so our old friend Blind Rage, the original villain of Chikara, who's shockingly kind of relegated to this. <laughs> And he had yeah. evolved in a wonderful way. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about that? Yeah. So not only does he look a little like Jerry only with the haircut and a little little bit of makeup, he now has the full skull paint. Yeah. More importantly, oversized claw hands. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure if he was going for like an Edward Scissor hands or like a it Freddy Krueger. Yeah. But yeah. they're real hands. Like individual right fingers. yeah 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 this is Ugh. those claws are definitely like a thing i associate with blind rage so it's like neat seeing him come out to that um but so he yeah so he's he's here he's on on this match and he's 
He's got DJ Skittles. <laughs> DJ Skittles. DJ the Skittles. Rapping ruffian with a sweet tooth. DJ yeah. Skittles. DJ Skittles comes out and is immediately loudly booed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is, look, I love, I love that Chikara crowds tend to like paint within the lines. They like to cheer the goodies. They like to boo the baddies. Sometimes it's really great when they stray from that and DJ Skittles coming out to loud disapproval from like four or five guys is incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. His nickname. I, we have to go back to that. The rapping ruffian with a sweet tooth. What a differentiator. My God. It is important to say here, DJ Skittles, if you took him completely out of context and time period context, you could perceive him as being like a riff on John Cena. He is absolutely Doctor of Thugonomics John Cena. But I'm pretty sure DJ Skittles' debut happened before John Cena did the Vanilla Ice thing on... Uh, Uh, SmackDown. DJ Skittles is completely separate from John Cena. In spite of the fact that, yeah, his... DJ Skittles is just DJ Skittles. Yeah. That's that's who that is. Yeah. There's a John Cena parody um, in Chikara lore. That guy's coming up in a couple of years. This is not that. Um, DJ Skittles... His name is... DJ is in his name... He's not a DJ. No. He's a rapper. Uh, he, he, he I don't think he ever I don't think he ever raps in Chikara. Well, and let's not gloss over the fact that he spells Skittles with a final Z. Of course he did. Everyone who was listening knew that. We, <laughs> you could just hear it in the way we're talking. DJ it was impl- it was implied. Um, the rapping ruffian with a sweet tooth. Of course it's a Z. Just just the uh, absolute most like poochy energy imaginable. <laughs> like, God bless like, him. I uh, I could listen to an entire oral history of the DJ Skittles character. Um because I I I I'm guessing it was for kids. I'm guessing kids were supposed to be into possibly. DJ Skittles. Um oh, he's, I, Describe his look for a second because he's got the red baseball hat, which I don't know what logo is on it. A blue, mm. like a baby blue FUBU jersey. Yes, yes. You know it's the early yeah. 2000s. You know it's the early 2000s because he's wearing FUBU. FUBU, yeah. And then later yep. when the hat comes off, it turns out he has like a pinkish, reddish faux hawk. Yeah, yeah. I love that his roster cartoon is like all bright colors and like he looks like a uh, oh god, what's that one like gum that's like it's like the zebra is the logo oh uh, fruit stripe fruit stripe it's it, he basically has fruit stripe like packaging hair in the cartoon but I feel like at some point some like cooler heads had to prevail. <laughs> Like, no, (laughs) we can't make him do this. You get one color, choose. (laughs) No, you only have to do one color. We're not going to make you do all of them. We're not going to, like, have you, like, spend three hours doing your hair. (laughs) 
we don't want we we're not going to make it so like you're going around in public with your hair like this. Or maybe he um, tried that and it just came out brown. Yeah, I I feel like I've seen a 2002 DJ Skittles match. I think it might be on their best of, but I can't remember what his hair was like then. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's DJ Skittles. It's it's a member of certainly the most famous member of the the second term of uh, the Wrestle Factory. Okay. Oh yeah, most definitely not Eddie Kingston yeah. or anything. No, yeah. no, no, no. Not Jigsaw. Not Bryce. No. Nope. No. It's. Uh, I mean, you know, he is number one. <laughs> Two is not a winner, and three nobody remembers. Yeah. It's DJ Skittles. He's number one. Right. Oh. So we get. Should we get uh. to the match? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Rage blindsides Skittles during his entrance, and the bell gets yeah. right away. It's we really all that talking we just did. Those are the thoughts that go through your mind in about 10 seconds before he gets blindsided. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have like, I don't really, Josh, if you really want to take point on like the, uh, what happens in terms of the move structure, all of my notes are just like DJ Skittle starts to clap. Those same men loudly boo. <laughs> Basically. And it's, I mean, honestly, like just to give you the, the a picture of the match, it's a brawl. Um, yeah. Starts off with a lot of like, knife edge chops and and punches things like that yeah um, I, it should be said i actually like this is the best match on the show up to this point uh i there, there this match has a lot of really good energy to it it feels yeah. much more like the culmination of a feud than uh private eye versus phantasmo did it feels like these two men do not like each other they don't like the music uh that that each other listens to it's uh it's a tale as old as time. Goth yes. versus kind of rap. We don't know. Candy, candy, cola versus Radio Disney. I guess like if a management <laughs> company invented a rapper. Yeah. No. He. I think that's really the problem with DJ Skittles is he feels extremely. I buy that this is what Mike Quackenbush thinks rap sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's he what is, it is. <laughs> half Joe Camel and a third Fonzarelli. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, I should point out, by the way, we pointed out there are some fans that really enjoy booing DJ Skittles. Yeah. Something I skipped over here is that when DJ Skittles is announced, there is one fan who is super into joining Carolina Jim in saying the name DJ Skittles. <laughs> oh my God, I missed that. I don't know who it is, but he has one absolute stand in that crowd. Uh, someone thought, yes, that is exactly my music, my aesthetic. I love every flavor of Skittles. Go get them. <laughs> I want to taste the rainbow. Right, I've never well, we'll get to that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Um. Yeah. No. But I. There's a lot of really cool stuff in this match. Um. DJ Skittles is. He's got a lot of energy. He kind of. So at the point of the time we're recording, the hottest uh, account on wrestling Twitter is the Mongo McMichael clip account. Okay. And there is a similar energy in that. Like there are multiple times in this match where I'm terrified that DJ Skittles is about to drop Blind Rage. Like he's like hauling him up for like a power move. And I'm like, oh God, this is about to go bad. Nope. Nope. You got him. Okay. And that's that's like a dozen of those Mongo like McMichael clips are exactly like that. Yes. So <laughs> Just, has big Mongo energy. He does. Uh shout out to Mongo McMichael. 
absolute tragedy that he's never shown up in Shikara. <laughs> I would I I would pay a lot of money like to just put him in the ring with the most ridiculous even if it's just like not I mean especially if it's not in a wrestling capacity, let's be real. It, right. but like I just want to hear him reacting. He needs to be like the special uh outside enforcer for some kind of Halliburton match. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. We we it's a shame that like usually the Chikara feuds that are allusions to WWF angles. It, it, it's it's exactly that. It's it's all usually nods to 90s WWF. I really want some deep cuts to 90s WCW and a Halliburton match with, totally. bet- between, you know, Jakob Hammermeyer and uh, uh, let's say Zero. Sure. Yeah. And we should uh, get into the briefcase only to find something not at all applicable to anything. Oh, those Halliburton brief- briefcases in WCW were straight up empty, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. nothing but a foreign object. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There is, there's, there is one moment I want to point out here. There's yeah. a point where Rage takes over and he's beating down Skittles. He takes the FUBU shirt, puts it on, and <laughs> does he does the Ric Flair strut. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, as we all know, like Ric Flair is sort of the spiritual like godfather to hip hop. You know, Blind Rage. Blind Rage knows his music. Blind Rage That's knows true. all of this. Uh, yeah. Blind yeah. Rage is on that Ric Flair drip way ahead of schedule. Uh, <laughs> um, you, yeah, there's actually uh, there's one moment in this match, because I feel like we've made, been making a lot of jokes about this match. I had a really good time watching this match, and there's, oh, one thing it, there's one thing in this match that I thought was extremely cool, and I really want to see someone like lift it. Uh, so Blind Rage... Super kicks DJ Skittles in the back of the head. I think Skittles is like kneeling down or something like that. He's like on his knees or something. He super kicks him in the back of the head and then puts on the cross face. That was really, really, really cool. That yeah, good. that looked yeah. good. Uh, Blind cool. Rage, still a very good wrestler. <laughs> still. And I'll say he's a great performer yeah. in general. Like, I may, like, I'm laughing at the Ric Flair thing. Yeah. But the guy, he's for all his like super serious energy he's totally willing to be the clown. Oh yeah. He fits in really well here. Uh, Should we, uh, should we get get to to the finish finish here? Yeah. Yeah. Where DJ like goes for a tilt a whirl sort of thing and just kind of throws blind rage up onto the top turnbuckles. Yeah. At some point. And once he gets up there, he shouts out time to taste my rainbow. (laughs) Oh my God. Which it's, we last time we talked about Mantis shouting finish. Yeah. This is better. This is extremely good. <laughs> I what? Yeah. <laughs> time to taste my rainbow. I mean it's super. I believe this brand. is the rainbow bomb. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, I have the I have the roster page open somewhere. I wanna try and find what his signature moves were. As you're doing that, let's describe what it looks like. He's like, yes, like a reverse fireman's carry. He gets him in, like he's, facing, he's facing up in that kind of yeah. Full disclosure, like this is one of the matches I watched a week ago, and fair enough, uh, wasn't able to get back to. It was it was like a 
it, it was it was a very cool power bomb type move off of Wasn't the top. Kind of had him in like a sort of burning hammer and then spun him around to a power bomb. It does end with the top rope power bomb, basically. Yeah, it might. It might actually be this. This might be this might be absolute nonsense. This might be like the time I said the full Nelson slam was cosmic doom. But it kind of reminds me of the Alpamer water slide bomb that uh, Claudio Castagnoli does, except off the off of the corner, like uh, like like yeah. like like an avalanche version of that move. Yeah, that that it, sounds. Yeah, okay. it's it's uh, it's it's very cool. It's I'm mildly terrified seeing DJ Skittles do it. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, but it but it comes off really well. It, it it's like a it, it is a very like good impact finish maybe my favorite actually yeah straight up my favorite finish of the match of the show like in terms of like a match ender like i think this was the coolest way uh, a match totally. ends on the show yeah and dj covers blind rage with the fubu shirt afterwards uh, yeah uh, um, lays them out which in this so this all leads us to the fact that dj skittles will choose blind rage's entrance music yeah um do we ever get to see that payoff we don't but uh they do say on the commentary for the renaissance dawns what the song was so i tracked it down this morning to uh confirm the music that blind rage comes out to presumably on like the next show it is the conga by miami sound machine oh that's fantastic great choice from dj skittles i mean he's a dj he is what he says. He he is himself a sound machine. Uh, but yeah, so we're we're going from the most like an extremely Jakara match, like like very very Jakara, to a match I think you probably could have seen anywhere on the indies. Like in terms of like the presentation, the guys in it. Like this is the, like we've got Mike Cruel versus Reckless Youth uh, paying off the Double Jeopardy Battle Royale. Uh, both of these guys were very well. Mike Cruel, I f- think, was still all over like the Northeast Indies at this point. Reckless Youth, I want to say this is around the time he had just like popped up in Ring of Honor. So, and this and this match does feel like a match you could see on the undercard of an ROH show. Exactly <laughs> what I thought. Yeah, uh, should be said about Mike Cruel. So, if you remember on the Renaissance Dawns, <laughs> yes. Mike Cruel's entrance music was like the first five seconds of cashmere and then it would pause. It's like the five seconds would stop. And then it's like the track would start over again after these pauses. I'm pretty sure his entrance music is just that, except actually like seamlessly edited this time. Yeah. It is just a loop of that, that opening riff. Yeah. You never get to, you never get to, to, to the vocals. You never get to anything like past that, which is amazing because I thought it was just like, Oh yeah, no, this is just like a weird error with the CD. It's skipping or something. No, this no, was the intention. It, it was yeah. deliberate. <laughs> it is a choice. Yeah. Uh, we get big match reckless youth here. Yeah. Not as goofy as before, unfortunately. He has he does some goofy he, he does like some subtly weird stuff in this match, though. He has like some of his body language the further the match goes on, like gets into that zone where like it feels like he's he's doing good wrestling and he's also doing good wrestling with these like very performative like 
I'm I'm playing to the kids in the audience. Sure. Mannerisms. Uh, one thing that happens in this match, someone throws a streamer. Oh right. While the match is going on, which is biz. You know, around that time period, there was definitely a running gag uh, about American indie wrestling fans. Is that like every like they loved throwing streamers, but like people who watched uh, Japanese wrestling were always like, you know, you're throwing it at the wrong point in time. <laughs> like you're like, they'd throw it like the moment the wrestler hit the ring or like the mo or like not when the uh, ring announcer was announcing them, if they hadn't already done that beforehand. Right. Uh, this is there's one thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's one thing. And like, frankly, like the reality is, you know, with a lot of ring announcing, like, in America, like in the States, like they're not doing the like ring announcing when both participants are in the ring and like, right. But that's one thing. <laughs> it's another thing to throw a streamer while the match is going on. Yeah. Nothing yeah. particular has happened. They just happened to throw a big blue streamer. Yep. I was, I was fascinated by that. Yeah, when I went to the ROH tapings in like Baltimore, when they were doing all their TV tapings there. Yeah. Definitely saw some like super drunk people get thrown out because they kept throwing streamers during the match. Luckily, <laughs> <laughs> it only happened the one time here. Yeah. Uh, speaking of weird things fans do, uh, right as this match starts, it starts with like, you know, like a headlock and a lockup, really basic stuff, like a lot of yeah. matches do. And one of the fans, I'm presuming it's someone sitting right by the hard camera up in the balcony, shouts, do some cool stuff. <laughs> the most impatient fan I've ever met. Yeah, I thought they had, you know, it was like kind of standard indie opener, but it was well it was done. A good, it's a good, like, all things considered, like, I think I had more fun watching DJ Skittles versus Blind Rage. But, like, if you're asking which of the two between that and this was the better match, I would say it's this. Uh, because at no point was I like worried that something was about to go terribly wrong during this. Uh, it's a perfectly cromulent match. Yeah, cromulent is a great word. Is is a uh, whatever like the like cro like cromulent with like a very happy inflection to it. Like oh yeah, oh, yeah. this is cromulent. Yum yum yum, cromulent. Yeah, I'll say also in the match, uh, youth does a really great frog splash. He's got an amazing frog splash. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what I've got up to the fetish. Yeah, for for the finish, what I have written down is in all caps. Mike Cruel is an absolute cad. <laughs> yes, he is. Because he just like uh, he, he just cheats to win. Yeah, right. he cheats to win. Is there a particular move he hits before he cheats? I don't think so. I know there was a cutter off the top from Reckless. Uh, yeah, Cruel got his foot on the ropes uh, after the pin there, uh, and then. Couple minutes later, Mike Cruel steals the win. He pins him, and then yeah, gets his feet on the middle rope there. Well, specifically, he gets one foot on the second rope and another on the third rope. Yeah, it was a little awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Which I actually enjoyed. I don't find it awkward. I thought that is extra effort. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I thought I honestly like very surprising that Mike Cruel won this match. Frankly. <laughs> Right. And yeah, Mario and he beats one of the co-founders. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't actually I I looked through a lot of the results. I don't think Reckless was really around much at this point. Like I know I know on 
the the shows up to that point, there's at least one or two Don Montoya matches, including the uh, one against CM Punk uh, for the season two premiere. I can't remember seeing a lot of Reckless Youth's name, but even still, like especially for like the anniversary show, you'd expect uh, Reckless Youth to win. But also, if they had done that, like maybe the thought process is like the Technicos are winning a lot of these matches, so. Sure. Someone's gotta. Yeah. Someone's gotta take the L on this one. Yeah, and Reckless does actually get the win back. I think like the next month. At, okay. At be the Booker. Oh boy, you be the Booker. Though, we'll we'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, though he, he won by DQ. I don't actually know because I haven't seen the show. It's not okay. streaming anywhere. No. <laughs> it's yeah. Um, it could be. It could be. It could be. Yeah, they, they were basically just planning on doing a lengthy series of matches between the two. But yeah, um, my cool wins. And now we're on to, I think in terms of the runtime of the show, I think you get to about like, you get to about like the like 55 minute point here. Right. Yeah. Okay. And the yeah, rest of so. it is just, of yeah. And the rest of it is just this main event. It's the tag team extravaganza. And let's go down the teams. Yeah. Well, let's, let's do this. Let's try and do this by order of entrance, I think. Absolutely. Uh, because yeah, this is a stacked main event. This is actually, I think, being like real about it, I think this is one of the most ambitious matches Chikara ever did. It is because it's everyone in this match, other than one guy, has only been wrestling for either a year or like seven months. Um, it's almost entirely trainees. It goes a very long time, and it's it never has a lull in it. Yeah. So I just want to say say that about those matches right right off the bat. Like, I remember this match being long. I don't remember this match being like as extra as it is. It's very very good. Um, but yeah. So up first we have, uh, first we have the conundrum of Rorschach and Jigsaw. Um, which means we're getting our first look at like baby hyperactive Rudo Jigsaw. Yes, which yes. is I, my personal favorite Jigsaw. Yeah, like shout out to Jigsaw, an amazing mm. Chikara wrestler. Um, yeah. who at certain points of his tenure is like an interesting, complicated character. In terms of like Jigsaw as a personality in wrestling, this year, the toxic trio year, like 2003 to you know, like early 2004. I, I I think he's just incredible to watch as a character. He's hilarious. Yeah, Toxic Trio is like my favorite Jigsaw era. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's a, a little before uh, now, or a little after this. A little, little after this, there is a there yeah. is a match that like the three of the three of them, Jigsaw and the Wild Cards, who we will talk about in a minute. Uh, they do have a trios match together on uh, one of the 2003 shows. They're listed as the toxic trio in like the blurb on the Chikara website, but that could just be retroactive. Like, I don't know if they were really considered a unit in the way they would be uh, later on. Uh, but yeah, so the, the, the conundrum come out, shout out to Rorschach who Who's I the, think tends opposite of hyped. <laughs> yeah. Rorschach tends to, I think get like, lost in the sands of time a bit like mm. he's he's around a lot for the first couple of years he's actually one of the most frequent nostalgia names uh in terms of like guys coming back for one-offs up until the shutdown angle uh but in terms of like him as a character he's one of the more straightforward guys 
especially especially from the guys debuting around this time because it's all like really bonkers characters and then there's Rorschach who uh he's he's you know his mask basically looks like one of those he's got like you know like the idea is like he's got like a sort of an ink blot like a weird abstract ink blot on his face uh so it kind of looks like one of those I don't know if you guys have them where you are there's like this bike share service that has these big red buckets on the front oh no yeah well I wish I could remember the name of it, but it's, yeah, it's like, cause it kind of looks like bike handlebars and then that big bucket on his face to me and I couldn't unsee it. Well, uh, so that's what I see something different in a, rocket. yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, so that's the conundrum. And then out next, the wild yes. card, baby. Oh yeah. God. The wild card. They come out and they literally have playing cards. Yes. I forgot You're throwing them at the fans. Yes, and and they have like squiggly playing cards. They're not normal playing cards. They're like weird. They're like shaped like tildes, basically. And they come out to, they come out to Jack of Speed by Steely Dan. Yes, <laughs> which I can't imagine they were the ones who chose that song for them. Maybe no. I'm wrong. Maybe 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 they too are big Steely Dan fans, and it's not just <laughs> quack. But that's a very Mike Quackenbush song choice. And yes. it should be said, it should be said, it works very well for them. It does. Like, it's a weird juxtaposition, but like, first of all, oh, this is also our first first look at one of the best things about the wild cards is that every time they come out, they spend about four minutes just ragging on the crowd and wandering yes. around and it's, like yeah. making oh fun of fans. And they are both like Eddie Kingston and Blackjack Marciano, who I haven't said by name. Blackjack Marciano is wonderful. Uh, they are both sincerely very funny people on these shows. Like, and they're and they're like very, very good at crowd work, like way better than anyone else at this point, I would say. Like, oh yeah. They they're just all the way there. And like the juxtaposition of them just being completely obnoxious. Uh, while this like laid back Steely Dan song is playing, <laughs> it's really funny. It's really good. The thing I love about the crowd work, at least early on, there is the first bit of it they do is with the balcony fans, yeah, right over their entrance. Oh man, yeah, it's 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 great. Uh, we'll be talking about them more as the match goes on, but like all I can say is I am unbelievably happy to have gotten to the point where the wild cards have shown up and i'm so yeah. excited about like to me they are they are the mvps of 2003 chikara in my opinion like they're the best part of it That's so a very good case for that yeah yeah uh and so and then after that we've got the team captain the uh, young lions cup champion hollow wicked finally wearing <laughs> the t-shirt with the holes cut out <laughs> Yeah, I was like, "Oh, Matias will be so happy to finally see him in the torn shirt." Yeah, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he got to that really like quickly after live from the factory volume two. But yeah, it's it's sort of like seeing him come out like with that, you know, with the Young Lions Cup, doing the like hanging upside down like a bat thing in the corner, which he was doing, he was doing on those uh, 2002 shows we watched, but it just feels right watching him do it with like the classic hollow wicked gear uh it feels more complete now yeah and it is i think notable that he's the one who's captaining that team well he, uh, he really holds I, them together yeah yeah <laughs> uh 
Yeah, it's sort of like, I mean, it's sort of like a sign of confidence in him, I think, that it's him in that position and not, say, Blind Rage. Uh, but it's also sort of like really, again, positioning Hallowicked as being the top student uh, from the Chikara Wrestle Factory. Um, but that, So that's the Rudo team. And now yep. it's time for the Technico team, starting off with Baby Icarus. Baby Icarus, who comes out to a yeah. very 2003 indie wrestling song i feel yeah song two by blur yeah very wahoo woohoo uh and very fitting like this is like the icarus character sort of in between ichabod slain and uh when when he turns rudo is he's just hyperactive he's just like a ball of energy he like runs around he's like it's like running around through the crowd uh and yeah the song two was a good song for that then up next, I believe we have this Gran is, Akuma. Right? Yeah, yeah. Not actually our first look at Gran Akuma technically, because he we, we forgot to mention this on the last episode. Mm-hmm. But Gran Akuma was at ringside for live from the factory too. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, you can't see him for you don't clearly see him for a lot of it. But when you get to the post match brawl, and I feel fine saying this because you know more people know what Gran Akuma looks like without the mask now than with it. Like you just like glance over like during the big post-show brawl and there's just Gran Akuma just sitting there like with a very sort of like Gran Akuma tends to like have kind of like this impassive look on his face. Yeah. A lot of the time he's, he doesn't like, he, he never really emotes huge. He's just like sitting there looking like a wrestler already. I don't know if he was, it, it could very well be that he was in training at this point. Maybe he wasn't, but like, Dude is dude is in great shape already, and he's just sitting there watching the brawl go down. So that was the first time we saw Gran Akuma. Uh, this is the first time, but that's before he really becomes Gran Akuma the wrestler. And now here he is, the uh, mysterious mythological warrior from afar, with the purple with his, and gold mask, long with his mask. Yeah, you know, doing the uh, doing sort of like the, the martial arts, like show of respect, like bowing pose. Uh, yeah, and there he is. I I think we should could, point. Oh, yeah. go ahead. No, no, no. You, go for it. Uh, it. We should point out that Icarus and Granakuma, their tights are not yet similar. They're similar in the sense that they're tights, but they don't. They're they're not too similar beyond that. They're yeah. On the on the uh, on Chikaratopia and elsewhere, it says uh, fist. But are they officially fist here? I didn't. I didn't hear I them. Don't think so? Because because Carolina Jim does make a point of like saying who the tag teams are. Uh, so I don't think Fist was a thing one properly by this point. Naming. Things. Yeah, I I looked into it. Um, one sec here. Yeah, they had never teamed before. Uh, I think the only time they'd even wrestled in the same match was in one of the Double Jeopardy Battle Royals. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so this is before Team Fist was a thing. Right. They just happen to be on the same side. Uh, but yeah, so so after that, we get uh, Ultra Zero. And Mantis with a cowbell. Yes. <laughs> Mantis has unbelievably weird energy in this match. It's like, I feel like being you real. You got it, baby. Yeah, we don't really get a full sense because... 2003 and 2002 were so sporadic and there are no backstage promos. I feel like we never really get a full conception of what, uh, of what Ultramantis is like as a character, 
but tonight what Ultramantis is like as a character is Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think he was riffing on the cowbell sketch from SNL? Was this the right time? No, no. I think cowbell was more cowbell was like three years before that. I, I think he might straight up just be doing Dusty Rhodes because I forgot about the cowbell. That's fair. Okay. Uh, but I mean, he does, you know, he calls someone daddy-o later in this match. Yes. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that because believe me, I wrote that down. <laughs> uh, yeah. And meanwhile, meanwhile, Mr. Zero no longer looks like a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He no longer haunts my nightmares. Thank you. I'm glad that the mask finally made it in the mail. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. So yeah, this is the, this is the classic Mr. Zero look pretty much everyone up to this point who hasn't gone through a major character change. Like Icarus looks like Icarus, you know, Mr. Zero looks like Mr. Zero. Uh, you know, a, a lot of ways, like one of the cool things about this match is like everyone involved, like has such a good grasp of who they are and what they're doing. Right. And Zero is finally a uh, Technico. Yes. Which last time we saw him, yeah. he was not. Right. Uh, and then <laughs> finally, uh, I put down a note saying Eddie Kingston is cursing a lot. That is a thing in this match. Oh yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, we don't have the hard we don't have the hard swearing rules apparently because Eddie Kingston is going to town. Uh, tell it's still PG thirteen. He doesn't go to the R line, but he's definitely not our today's established no cursing rule. Yeah, uh, and frankly, if one person in this match is going to curse, it should be Eddie Kingston. Like, yeah. I yeah. think, I think one of the great things about this match is that like Eddie Kingston is so obnoxious and like the fact that he's, he's the one who's just cursing up a storm is wonderful. But yeah, finally we have, uh, the author of headquarters, Mike Quackenbush. Yeah. I don't know. I heard that book was uh, not that great. Someone <laughs> told me that. Can't remember who. Um, yeah, no, I, God. Um, I looked up on the Chikara roster page, and that was actually Quack's blurb uh, at that point. It was the author of Headquarters. Pushing it hard. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they bought a, like, he bought a lot of copies of that book. Well, um, I'm the proud copy. owner of a copy of that book. And I'm pretty sure, like, I, th I think he said he still, like, found a couple spare copies last year or something like that. I think that came up somewhere. But, like, I just, like, yeah, they, they, had, they had a lot of copies of Headquarters to sell. Well, something I learned today, and maybe you already knew this, um, yeah. through a whole separate means, I was watching his uh, Till We Make It channel. Mm -hmm. He points out that that book was released one week after September 11th. Yep. So, not the best of timing. Yeah. It's also, God, I like Headquarters. I, I read it. I had a good time reading it. Kind of wild that he wrote an autobiography. <laughs> of himself in 2001 yeah how old was he at this point um yeah he you're know, like I, i'm guessing was, i mean this like this like comes on the back of like he wrote like a, he wrote like a column for yeah for five years i think was it? yeah um so like it's on the back of that but it's definitely sort of like man it's surprising like yeah he has two books like now is when i want the mike quackenbush autobiography like absolutely and we won't we won't get it, but like like very much like I bet there are a lot of stories from the intervening time. And to be fair, there are some stories in that headquarters book that are wild, like some stuff that like it is very surprising. <laughs> he there's a there's a ping pong match at like 
an embassy between him and like an Ara- an Iranian diplomat or something like that. Okay. Like, yeah, it's uh, that that's I I I read this book. I read this book like 10 years ago. But like, yeah, headquarters by Mike Quackenbush. It's probably on it's probably on like Kindle. It's probably an ebook, right? Yeah. Go buy it everybody. Go, the author of Headquarters, Mike Quackenbush, uh, is the captain for the Technico team in this 10-man tag. And then after he's out, we get formal introductions for everyone involved. <laughs> and that takes, I think, that whole section is a good chunk of this last match. It's like, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like at least 10 minutes, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think it's like, I think introductions take about 10 minutes, in part because of the wild cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about half of it. <laughs> Yeah, that like the Rudo's entrance, I think, was longer than at least one of the matches on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it for sure was like I bet if you ran like literally from when Steely Dan started and when it ended, like it's probably very comparable to the Private Eye Phantasmo match. Not that I would change anything. No, no, um, no, it was perfect. No, no, no. I well, love the wild cards. <laughs> believe me, I can watch the wild cards heal on a crowd and not wrestle for 20 minutes, and we literally will do that uh, yeah. in the next season. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so the match starts. Uh, my first note is Eddie Kingston hypes up Blackjack Marciano to go wrestle Icarus. He does a lot of that, of like yeah. being in the corner and hyping up the other guy. Yeah. It's oh man, yeah. Um, does anyone else have like detailed notes on like the structure of this match? Because I mostly just wrote down like my favorite bits and pieces. Well, I noticed first of all that the crowd is immediately really hyped here. Um, yes, more so yeah. than any other point of the show. They're yeah, they're already all in. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought particularly for Ultra Zero. Yeah. <laughs> It seemed like they were like real hype. And I don't know if it was just, I mean, Mantis had a cowbell. He was yelling. <laughs> I don't know if that was it, but yeah, they were just super excited to see them. Well, uh, yeah. I'd, yeah. And Zero was like the original sort of like breakout character from the first two classes. Like that's the character that grabbed a lot of eyes. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if like that's the student that people were most excited to see. Very pro- possible. Yeah. Also, and also historically um, worth noting, the first two people to start off for the match are Mantis and Wicked. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't even put that together. (laughs) That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good footnote. That's a really like interesting (laughs) bit of knowledge. Um, Sometimes at some point early in this match, we get the return of the arm crank spot. That's right. Starting out with being done to Icarus, which mm-hmm. I was like, yes, I was right. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that he, he took it a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But this time he's, he's, he's taking it like as the, as the baby face, like right, setting right, yeah. up because yeah, it's, it's a blackjack. Marciano is like bringing the arm over to Eddie Kingston. And he, and he does that for like two students. He does that for Icarus and he does that for someone else. And then he Mantis, tries, yeah. And then he tries to do it to quack. Which is a bad idea. Yep. Uh, so Quack reverses it. It's Quack reverses it. Uh, Blackjack gets his arm pulled out of his socket, basically. And <laughs> Quack is a very good Bugs Bunny type. Like he's always. He was such an instigator in this match. Yeah. It great. He's, yeah. It's he's very very he's very very funny in that role. Like and he he 
does a lot of really good in like the fallout when the Rudos realize they have been bamboozled. You know, he, <laughs> I think he points at like Eddie Kingston uh, when when Blackjack is like upset about it and he's, and he's like fighting with Kingston over it and Quack yells, "It was his idea." <laughs> yes, <laughs> which works. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 it very funny. Yeah, uh, something uh. I want to point out right before that happens. Speaking of Icarus. It was so weird to me to hear a big Icarus chant. Yeah. It I know that's not the only time he's ever been Technico, but I it's it it's so jarring for me. It definitely it's it's it, it's always weird when he's a Technico, I think. Even always, always. Yes. <laughs> uh just because yeah, we, we associate him so much with being like the worst in the world uh character. He has but, a pretty back yeah. right now, so not all the way. Yeah, no, no they're all the wings. I believe the, the wings right. are the, the wings are there. Uh, yeah, but it's but it hasn't like it hasn't gained a life of its own yet. <laughs> it is not yet sentient. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Icarus. Uh, yeah. So at some point here, like fairly soon after that, I think time time is sort of it could be soon. It could be five minutes later. Uh, Quack and Black. It, it becomes Quack versus Blackjack Marciano. Yeah, I know and, what you're talking about. Yeah, and it starts out as like fun comedy wrestling, and then it gets really good out of nowhere. Like yeah. it just suddenly becomes again. Blackjack Marciano is like to me the biggest what could have been in Chikara history uh-huh. because he's totally. so unbelievably good in terms of like major figures. He just straight up when he's done with wrestling, he's done with wrestling. But like the two years we get of his matches on these shows, like he's all the way there. He's a good wrestler. He's a hilarious comedy guy. Like his reactions to stuff are very, it's just very unique. Uh, And we'll get a lot of really good, like Blackjack Marciano reacting to things over the course of the next few shows. Uh, He's, He's so good. And yeah, when he and Quack like really start like turning up the heat and like seriously wrestling, it's as good, I think, as anything you'll see outside of like the very, very best Jakara matches. I really love watching them wrestle each other. Well, and this match goes through several shifts in tone. And so far, like you said, it's been it's been a lot of comedy, also some story, a lot of like descent between uh, the yeah. conundrum and the wild cards. Yeah. Um, in fact, Wicked even has to make them all shake hands at one point. Yeah. 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 And then do a little group hug. Yeah. Or a prayer to Niles Muldoon. I don't know. One of it was one or the other. I think it was. I think it was the former. Uh, but you know. But once you get to that spot with Quack and uh, Marciano, it does pick up and go a whole new direction. And that's uh, the just- thing about this. Yeah, and that, like like you're saying, it, it it weaves between serious and comedy so much, right? But like the yeah. thing I noticed about this match, first of all, there are two things that I think. One thing that I was expecting from this match, because usually you see it in a match like this, is that like you know people will pair off with each other and they'll mm-hmm. mostly be wrestling each other throughout the whole match. That doesn't really happen here. Like the the combinations of wrestlers keeps changing. It moves it's not, around a lot. Yeah, it's not just like Hollow Wicked wrestles Mantis and then they both tag out and the next two guys come in. Like, yeah, they really mix it up a lot. And also a thing that like doesn't really happen in this match. There's not really a prolonged like beatdown of one Technico, which is what you'd expect, sort of like 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 a long like right. let's build up the heat before the big tag. They never go that route. 
Uh, I don't know. Did, I, did Icarus to Icarus? No, no, no. no I, I, I mean, maybe it was only like five, ten minutes, which in the case of like a this match, match, yeah, is not really that long. But I thought they did some like face and peril stuff with like Gran Akuma. I think, a yeah, little bit, Akuma a little takes bit, a but big it's spot from King. He does, he does, but it's not like. I was never like, oh man, like I'm begging for this tag to the baby face. Like I, I'm begging yeah. to see like the Technicos come in and clear house. Like it's very different. And in a lot of ways, like what they're doing, I think, is they're using the comedy spots for like the moments where they're catching a breather. Yeah. Uh, before going to doing serious wrestling. And because the comedy spots are all so novel, you never really like stop to pause and go, okay, yeah, they're catching a breath here. You know, they're like, they're like getting the crowd worked up. Uh, it's it's just all action or like big yeah. like unique comedy bits. You go from one form of really good entertainment to a different form of really good entertainment. Yes, um, there is a point in yeah. here where it's Jigsaw versus Zero, and uh, Zero throws Jigsaw out. Like Mister Zero throws Jigsaw Jigsaw out to the uh, to ringside, and he's like about to go for a dive right right he's like running to the match and then he stops midway he like goes off the ropes and stops in the middle of the ring and the camera pans back over and jigsaw is like halfway down deep yes. in the crowd much yeah. too far for zero to dive on him <laughs> and it is a hilariously understated joke that like it's i'm surprised you don't see a little more of they're really sort of making use of the fact that there's like a big entrance aisle uh, or like a big aisle dividing the fans, but like the fact that Zero has to stop his dive because it's literally impossible to do is very <laughs> funny. Uh, at some point, the wild cards like bail out to just go peel on the crowd some more. They start throwing fans hats around, which is a thing they will do a lot. <laughs> and they always pick on like yeah, one specific at, at one kid. point. Did they all? Yeah, the kid in like the bad religion shirt or something. <laughs> yes, yeah, I think that was right after because like. Uh, one of the conundrum were outside and then quack like slapped him on the back mm -hmm. and blamed it on the other rudos so there was more dissension amongst them and hollow wicked had to like get back in and i think he blamed the kid in the crowd <laughs> yeah so then they all started bullying that oh, kid and that's yeah. like throwing his hat and stuff oh yeah so like and that's that's such great like you know, the, the relationship between performers and spectators on Jakara shows are always, you know, the, it, it, it's great, like, playing along, like, es like escalating the joke, uh, building on it. It's it's really good. It's, it's, it's really funny, like, crowd work, where, you know, on those first two shows, aside from the most seasoned performers, it's sort of like the crowd is there and the wrestlers are in the ring and the two don't really meet all that much. But now the crowd is its own entity that is a character and part of everything. Yes. Yes. Uh, some point around this, around like this midpoint of the match, Ultramantis does a corkscrew arm drag, which is ridiculous. Like, yeah, there like, were a lot of cool Lucha arm drags. From yeah. Yeah. And then sometime shortly after that, we get the, at least the first recorded, like the first one we can see, like iteration of the uh, Kinchan jump, which is the spot. It's it's the bit where uh, one person spins around and then does a jump, like a little hop, and everyone else in the match does it as well. Yes, yes. Except did you notice there was one person who did not? There's one person who doesn't do it. Uh, 
But yeah, Eddie Kingston, Andy Kingston is looking out. He's jaw jacking. I think to that same fan that they were bullying. Yeah, or like completely just like no, screw that. He, he he seems like he's more disgusted by it than anything else. Yeah. He's like he's like no, I'm not doing this. Like sort of further cementing him as the biggest uh, uh, Rudo of the match. I will admit that I uh, yeah, had so that, that bit written down, and I was going to ask because I honestly didn't recognize what just happened. Okay, so yeah, so the the thing with this uh, bit is it is from it's originally from a comedian, a Japanese comedian in the eighties, right? Okay, um, and then Michinoku Pro, which is of course the you know we've talked about it before on previous episodes. It's the promotion that most directly influences Shikara, like in a lot of their big multi man matches, like. Someone on the roster, I think Kazayashi, like was a big fan of that comedian and doing that bit. So it sort of becomes like a signature bit in uh, a lot of the like six man tags in Michinoku Pro. And so Quack being a big Michinoku Pro fan, like I'm, I'm assuming that's where like it goes from that to suddenly appearing in Shikara, gotcha. um, where it will turn up uh, a fair few more times uh most notably in king of trios 2011 when actual 90s michinoku pro guys are at the tournament gotcha yeah it was interesting so it sounds like we're we're saying this is something that everybody even in character was all in on um yeah it's like the the, the joke is that like no matter like everyone has to do it okay See, and i wondered and at it, first if it was like something akin to something we'll see later like the um invisible hand grenade and so I was looking oh, like, yeah. for what caused this? And I didn't understand. It's, it's it's kind of the same internal logic, right? Like, yeah, it's just for some reason, one guy hopping means everyone has to hop. It's like, I, I, I don't like, you know, not really being well-versed in 80s Japanese comedy routines. Like, <laughs> I couldn't really... You're yeah, my go-to for I these things. Really, I, I couldn't really tell you the internal logic of, of the bit. It's just that the bit happens and everyone plays and like you play along with it or like if you're not very good at doing the jump or your timing's off, everyone's going to rag on you for gotcha. it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I just had no idea what caused it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So around this time after this ultimate just calls someone daddy. O. I, I think it might've been Bryce. Come on ref. Watch the hair. Daddy. O. <laughs> <laughs> that was the quote. Yes. <laughs> Which like for the last episode, I uh, had to make a list of like what I wanted to call it. As soon as I heard Mantis say, watch the hair, Daddy-O, like, okay, yeah, no, we got the title for this episode. We're good. Oh, man. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's yeah, great. A lot of, a lot of really fun, like innovative sort of offense. You have like the, I think it was Conundrum and the wild cards all like holding hands to let someone jump on to them. And then they like threw them up in the air. Yeah. Onto a prone opponent. It's almost like a five-man anthill in a way. Like it's it's yeah. they, they it's like it's everyone but Jigsaw like doing the thing either they're tossing him up in the air and then they're just letting him splash down for a near fall. Yeah, I wrote just like uh, several great spots that happened in this section. One being actually kind of worried me, where Kingston hits a like a release German to Akuma and he lands like square mm-hmm. on his head. Right yeah. on his noggin. Yup. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> You can definitely tell that Eddie has always been a fan of like '90s all Japan. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm going ahead in time a second, but just because you brought that up, so I don't forget, he does do the Exploder '98. Yes, yes, he does. Oh my god! And there appears to be an explosion sound effect yeah. that plays. Yes, like no one reacts to it, but it is the loudest, thunderous sound. 
So I, I'm wondering if that's in post. I think there is. I believe so. Yes. Yes. Um, there, because <laughs> there be is, there is down the line, there is like Jakob Hammermeyer doing the world star punch. I believe there is at least one time where he does that, where a sound effect is put in for when he gets the world star punch. So I guess that's sort of the precursor. Same energy. Yeah. Um. We get we we get some chain submission spots right. here. We got a chain submission spot that leads into another chain submission spot because that's how over the top this match is. Like, yes, um, it was not even that it was like a dive train into a submission train. And then the submission train started like breaking itself off and, and like, and then reattaching at the other end. It was ugh. at the start of the submission chain. Bryce just goes up to the corner and just like stretches out <laughs> because there's just like, lounging. He's like, like, yeah, it's going to be a while. Yeah. He's like, no submission will come of this. I'm not going to dignify it <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> This is like it's a forty-minute match. I gotta take a break. <laughs> it's an early instance of Bryce playing right along. Right along. Yeah. They even well, and then I don't know if it's after that, but they tease a full ten-man suplex as well. Oh yeah, of course, absolutely. Um, but they aren't able to manage it, no. and it all just kind of breaks down into individual like, <laughs> right. submissions. Yeah. Uh, at some and point, also one person just punching someone else. I think it was Eddie. Yeah. At some point, uh, Quack hits a move that is mildly notable in the sense that it's a move he rarely goes to. It's called the uh, Kangaroo Blaster, and it's this like was that the cartwheel the, in, into a drop kick? Like, yeah. yeah, that is the Kangaroo Blaster. Um, oh. The reason why the reason why that came to mind so immediately is uh, I didn't know it by name until Quack tweeted about it um, on the week of one of his like WWE Performance Center guest trainer stints. Because he taught that move to Alexa Bliss, and there's like a clip of like them practicing it, and so like oh, I, yeah. I vaguely remember that, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he, he mentioned he mentions like, yeah, I used to do this move all the time, but I only after 1999 I stopped regularly using it, and there are probably only three or four times I used it. So this is one of the on, like only times uh, in the current century, I guess, that Mike Quackenbush actually pulls this move out. Which gives you an idea of like they're they're leaving absolutely like nothing like no, like like they're absolutely just throwing in everything into this match right. like they are going all out for this yes and I really I felt like I could have watched this match forever I yeah. didn't feel like it was forty minutes right at all. you never get tired no of it. I was like I was worried like I was worried about like well okay this might be like a monster to get through and like yeah, yeah. I paused I like I I'd like pause it at certain points but like. It's it mostly kicks up the energy. I think in the last ten minutes or so, I think you finally start seeing the like the seams come apart a bit. Like they've been going for that yeah. long. Like like it's yeah. the, 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 you start getting some miscommunication here and there. Uh, but but you guys have lots of great spots. I'd say if you're going to take a break, just do the whole undercard break there. Go in for the main event. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> What, what what more is there to say? I mean, there's a million more things to say about this match, but at the same time, you know, you can only see so much. Right, just a lot of cool spots and athleticism and story and comedy, and it all builds to... Uh, a submission victory from Mike Quackenbush. Right. I think the I think it's a lightning lock. I think it's... Is it the lightning lock beta, maybe? Possibly. I yeah, have that it question. Was a, what I, is this? I literally just wrote down quack wins with something because i was like oh, i looks vaguely familiar yeah but... it looks like a lightning lock variation i don't know how many of those he has he probably has like 10 um but yeah he, he does that on I'm, I'm pretty sure it's jigsaw for the technicos uh to get the 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 duke 
And it gets a great crowd reaction. Like, everybody gets on their feet for this whole... Yeah! The crowd never tires of this match, which they shouldn't. It's great, but at the same time, it's it's such a big ask, right? Like, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to... Like, the main event of the show is going to run half of the length of the show. Well... Um, obviously, like, this is kind of the precursor to Cybernetico. Like... Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but like to do to do this even and with and this doesn't have the like the structure of the eliminations right right which I I think like 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 the crowd like the match the match is so good that like the 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 crowd stays with it the whole way through yeah they're super appreciative after the fact and Quack does his like show closing promo afterwards yeah and that promo is basically well he says something like. What, what does he say? He said something about only wrestling in the United States that isn't followed by an E? Yeah, it's th- this is a weird... The promo's a little weird in the sense that, like... Yeah, it's he. It's very much a promo about WWE being bad. Which, yeah. okay, like, this is... It's 2003. I, well, and WWE really had kind of, like, by this point, so, so to speak, wiped out all competition. They were the monolith now. Um, but he was, but he's prefacing all this with like, he's, he's very proud of even his opponents. Right. But he's, he's like, he's great to celebrate one year. Um, yeah. And, and then it becomes like you, you in the crowd, you make this happen. Um, they'll come back. Carolina Jim just announces the next show. Um, you got any other thoughts there on the end, Matthias? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of, it is kind of interesting that it's like very much, it is very much about Chikara versus WWE. It's because that, because that I think is the most remarkable part of it. And this is sort of, you know, I think there are a lot of promotions or like there are, there are some promotions out there around this time, all kind of trying to position themselves as, you know, the alternative to WWE. And to be fair, like as far as, as far as that goes, you can't really get much more different than uh, 2003 WWE than uh, what Chikara is doing at this point in time. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I think we're probably all in agreement about match of the night for this. Like easily, oh, it's, yeah. the main event was so great. Definitely go out of your way to watch it. Even if you're not watching the rest of the show, you should watch the rest yeah. of the show because it was still lot of fun right yeah i think it comes up about an hour and five minutes into it something like that or if you're watching on a browser yeah. it'll show you where this is just like must watch definitely go out of your way to check yeah. this one out Ugh, it was so much fun i could have watched another you know half hour of this honestly yeah well and besides all the action it's also just like cool to look in retrospect at all these different careers and where they were then so uh but yeah i think that's i think that's it, it's basically a one match show but in a good way like it's not that the other matches like the other matches are probably worth your time um in one way or another but this is just like a up to this point in in time this is definitely the best match in chikara's history we don't have that much it's it's pretty much this or the main event from renaissance dawns right but yeah yeah this is and i think this is also like the gelling or the congealing of what Chikara is yeah, um, happens in this match. Yeah, this is what the Chikara, like what I think of as the Chikara style, like the traditional Chikara style of wrestling yeah. really comes together in this match. So yeah, match of the night, this one, absolutely. 
Uh, what would you say is the most Takara thing on the show? Any thoughts? Uh, it is def uh, for me. It is a submission chain starting, and then someone breaking off and starting an entirely different, like a second wave of the same submission chain. Yes, that oh, that was so good. I I also loved in the background of the main event. Uh, at one point, Hollowick got stuck in a trash can and just kept kind of spinning around for a while. I didn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> I love just like, little moments that. like that in Chikara shows. Uh, so I'm sure like yeah. the fans in that little section were loving it, and I was loving it. But yeah, just yeah. not at all part of the main uh, right. series of events there. That is definitely a very Chikara yeah. thing for sure, yeah. where something's happening just for this group of five fans while something else is happening yes, across exactly. the ring. Uh, what about you, Josh? Uh of those two, I'd say it is one of those two. I, I but I will have to go ultimately with the submission chain because it's so classically yeah. Chikara. It's an image you see repeated over and over in different iterations, and this is probably the, it's the first time I think that we see them build upon the idea. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that will continue to be a thing for years to yes. come. Yes. Um, I have a, a special award I want to give out. I don't know if any of you do. Uh, I'd like to give an award for uh, the best blow off to a feud, the best ending of a story. And I'd say oh, that's good. We had a lot on this, the grudge match. And yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. We have the, um, you know, winner picks the losers music. We got the, uh, the special grudge match, uh, you know, the double jeopardy kind of book in some stuff. And certainly in the main event, my favorite blow off to a feud is the story of Chikara versus Allentown. <laughs> they have been, and, and Quack talks about it in that final promo. They used to be wrestling eight blocks away uh, from St. John's over in the Wrestle Factory. Yeah. And as we talked about last time, uh, from Live from the Factory 2, um, they were only allowed five matches that had to be done by 10 p.m. And the city of Allentown and the Athletic Commission shut them down. Sure. But uh, we had a run-in from St. John's Lutheran Church, and they saved them. And now Chikara stands tall, uh, still putting on amazing shows one year later in the city of Allentown. Yeah, I think I think I think that is a very good culmination to that. I'm honored. Chikara yes, story. I think that takes it. Yes. Any other awards uh, anybody wants to give out? I'd like to give a participation award to DJ Skittles. <laughs> let's get him a ribbon and let's get that pinned on to his fubu shirt okay uh, well then i want to ask the most important question of the night yeah what's that um and i feel like we've been kind of uh, not addressing the elephant in the room oh, okay yeah where is zane madrox and what does this show have to do i have the answer that is a great question it is a great question and i have the answer i mean we, we already alluded to it earlier in the show. Did we not see a pro wrestler wearing something that looked a lot like a bathrobe? Oh, this is true. <laughs> who else? Oh. Who else? Who else could Ninja Mexicano possibly be? Then, 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 then the one, the only Zayn Madrox. I mean, he just traded, he just traded his prop wig and like hat for a mask. He is such a master of disguise that Ninja Mexicano doesn't even register on the cage match database. Yeah. You know, they know that his alias is, of course, the all important Skeeter McCoy. <laughs> yeah. 
but they do not know about his alias Ninja Mexicano. Right. Uh, I, I think I think we'll find you know Zane Madrox is full of secrets, and Zane Madrox uh, echoes throughout eternity in Chikara lore. But here it's very straightforward. Zane Madrox is Ninja Mexicano. You can't you know quack. Mike Quackenbush, come on this podcast, try to disprove it. You can't. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we know that after those first two shows, he did a few of those uh, guest spots in another uh, organization, but, and I think he was done by what, October? Um, That's right. So I think he, something happened there and he was a uh, persona non grata. So he's trying to sneak back into the roster, mm. but he gets dumped immediately. He was the first person eliminated. By uh, Lester Crabtree, <laughs> important to note. Uh, so I, I think we're going to uh, see some more attempts from Mr. Madrox in the future. I think you are definitely correct. <laughs> uh, Ninja Mexicano, you, sir, are Zane Madrox. <laughs> that was so lame. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so I think... I think with that. <laughs> yeah, any final thoughts before we uh, plug the uh, socials? I got nothing. What about you two? <gasps> I know I'm good. Just once, I really hope, I really hope uh, we, we find an example of DJ Skittles rapping. Please. You know, like, in two yeah. seconds after this is posted, Frito is going to tweet, like, <laughs> this. Oh, yeah. Shout out to, sh- shout out to Frito. Uh, friend of the show he friend of the show absolutely uh you know uh whatever we got wrong please (laughs) let us know uh we definitely have gotten stuff wrong i think i got about a dozen things wrong on the last episode uh oh and it will happen again it will happen it will happen i I got stuff wrong and i do the editing and i still put the wrong information out <laughs> you didn't just like, like no, record over yourself. I will, like, will let you know how dumb I am. It's okay yeah. to be wrong so long as you admit it. You don't have to put the right information out. Yeah. You just have to say. Believe I am me, wrong. I am wrong a lot yeah. of the time. I Matias just pointed something out to me, at, and I don't think he meant to, but it's important. Friend of the show, Frito, Frito, as in I was, going oh, there. I was thinking no. about as in snacks. Oh, He's a Frito no. bandit. Hmm. Who do we know that gives out Fritos? We don't know where he gets those Fritos, though. I think the legacy of Madrox has uh, gone forward. You ever get the feeling you're being watched? Uh. <laughs> or, I guess, listened to. All right, well, uh, I'm at the Desert Cope <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> yep, and I'm at Josh Uwa. I am at Human Garbage Dan. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to Triple Bunk Bed for the theme song. Thank you at T Head Joy for the mm-hmm. logo. Uh, Joe Sposto, Kevin Ford, the Chikara special. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, and you can find the show uh, on Twitter at Chicography. Chicography. Of course. And you can email us at chicographypodcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. Please, yeah, let us know what we're getting wrong. Uh, if there's anything you want to hear talked about, if there's any comments you have on the kinds of things we talked about or anything we skipped Thoughts over on the show we, we talked about. What, 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 what yeah. was your, what were, hey, if you've got an award for something that happened on the show, 
send it to us on Twitter or by email, and we will probably read it out on the next episode. How about that? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, we are going to get out of here. So bye. Adios.